This player is the this player is a missing piece for Spurs to becoming a top four team to a title challenging team, in my opinion. And they, they need to take risks, bold risks, and they need to identify players before they're valuable. That's what that's what good clubs do. He'll, they'll come for relatively cheap, won't offer a lot or won't demand a lot in terms of game time or wage or transfers or signing on bonus or whatever. We'll be content with sitting on the bench, being playing a bit part role and and being that player that should shit hit the fan, can come off the bench and make an impact. He'll be a perfect player for cup games. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Two Foot Tackle Podcast. I'm your host, Aris Dimitakos, and I've, just for everyone is worried, I've calmed down and I've relaxed since Tuesday morning. Um, that was a very emotional podcast, um, the last one, but I've relaxed, I've physically, mentally and emotionally and spiritually recovered from, from that morning, so that's good. But um, yeah, it, is, it was... It was, I've recovered, which is all good. Um, this won't be, as you can tell by the title, and as I said last week, and as, I said, and as I've said on Twitter and various other social platforms, this won't be about the Socceroos as much as I could talk about them for forever. Um, this will be about some European football as we're getting into the thick of the transfer window now. So it's good to touch on everything regarding that. Firstly, before I start, I hope everyone's well. I hope the week, or since I last spoke to you, or since you last, last listened to this podcast, Hope it treated you well. If this is your first time listening, give it a subscribe, give it a like, follow it, comment, follow the socials, do all that good stuff. It would mean the world. But let's get into things because this could be a long podcast if I ramble off too long, which I am susceptible to doing. But what we're going to be going through today is each Premier League top six key signing or someone they should sign. Now, these players aren't necessarily players I will sign. Some of these players are slightly out of budget or won't happen for other reasons. But these are players that maybe not in a dream world, because in a dream world, everyone would like to sign Mbappe. But in a semi-realistic slash semi-dream slash, real, slash whatever you want to call it, um, transfers that could happen should the circumstances fall. Now, we're going to touch on that. And we're also going to touch on some other transfer news that has already happened Darwin Nunez, Pochettino, who all these all these off season moves, which makes the melodrama of the of the football. I was going to say the football league, but of football in general, what it is. But let's start, and let's start with which club should we start with? Let's start with Spurs. Let's start with Spurs, and with Spurs, firstly, Spurs have signed Yves Basuma, which is a fantastic signing, pending the potential court case. That is a fantastic signing, a, absolute, a brilliant signing. He was sliding to that double pivot perfectly. He can be defensive, allowing Hoiberg to get up the pitch or allowing whoever they want to partner Basuma with to get up the pitch. He's brilliant. Brilliant signing, $25 million. That is the kind of shrewd business that elite teams do. And as much as to my dismay, Spurs are slowly becoming that. So, fantastic signing. And, that, and as the central midfield or a defensive midfielder, was a position which I flagged towards the back end of the season, which they needed. They went out, addressed it nice and early, Premier League proven, still relatively young, can can play on the ball, can be a destroyer, versatile in, in the systems they can play. Brilliant. Top-notch signing, $25 million. Can't ask for more for Yves Basuma. So that is really good. But let's move on. Let's move to a sign that they could make for Spurs, and that is... Obviously, I've been very public about 
about the Spurs signing a left-sided centre-back. I think that's. I don't think Ben Davies is going to be the guy to take them to that level that they want to get to under Conte. So I've flagged Lissandro Martinez from Ajax. I've flagged other other potential left-sided centre-halves. But I've spoken about them enough. I want to speak about a slightly more attacking player and a, and a player that will be a game-changer for Spurs if they're able to get his hands on him. And I've gone with Lorenzo Pellegrini from Roma. Now, this is a transfer that... Could or could not happen. He's been very public about. I mean, Newcastle have put in a fifty million pound bid that has that was rejected and and rejected in quite emphatic circumstances. And Pellegrini has been public about stating that he wants to stay at Roma. However, coming over to a, a London club, massive stadium, Champions League football under Antonio Conte, playing with Son and Kane and a real system and project being built at Spurs, I feel like it'd be very hard for Pellegrini to turn down. So for that reason, I've gone with him as the player Spurs should sign. And if we just bring up his his FB ref stats right here, you can see that compared to other wingers and attacking midfielders, he's quite good in good areas. He's got fantastic... So he has 5.31 shot-creating actions per 90, ranking the 97th percentile, and 3.54 shots per 90, ranking the 98th percentile. These two stats show that he's very, he's busy. He's busy. He wants to get on the ball. He wants to drive. He wants to make sure that he's known, like he, he's going to have an impact on, on most games. And if we bring up his heat map here, we can see that he's able to float around anywhere pretty much behind Harry Kane. He can float on the left, can play on the right. He can also play in that double pivot should circumstances fall where he needs to play there. And he could really be a game changer for Spurs. He could he's already he's played in that he's played in that um three at the back system. He's played in that three at the back system towards the back end of the season for Roma, so it will be a seamless transition should he come in. He's got twelve goals and assists this season. He's got good set piece delivery and he has a high output like we saw with saw with the shot creating actions and total shots. Like I said, he can play as a wide forward. He can play next to Sun and behind Kane. He can also should Conte switch up the system, he can be at number eight or a number ten. I think this is the perfect signing for Spurs because he's not a player. He's he's different to Son and he's different to Kane. You don't want to bring in a player which is similar to Son that wants to get on the ball and drive. He's more of a creative player. He's more of a think a Thomas Muller esque style player. Maybe not exactly the same, but he's very he's very good at positioning himself in the right areas to get shots off to be able to influence in the final third. He's still relatively young. I think he's still only twenty-five years old. So he's got years on him. He's got years. Um, he's got years to to build into that Conte system, and Conte would obviously, being an Italian, big coach uh, managing in the Italian league, would have his eye on Pellegrini as well. I think this is could be a very, very, very good signing for Spurs. Perhaps the only flaw, if you were to call it that, or perhaps the only. Um, hindrance is what I said before that he doesn't really want to leave Roma and it will cost Spurs around about 60 to 70 million pounds to get the job done now as we've seen money is really no or as it's transpired money is really no means to Tottenham right now considering the cash injection that that they've got but I feel like with the introduction of Basuma with Jed Spence potentially and Ivan Perisic as well you've ticked off three boxes already they get a centre-half in the door, I feel like the one player that they're missing is that real attacking difference-maker. Because they've got Kane, they've got Son. Obviously, Kane, we all know the, the injury struggles that he could have. Kulisevsky's hit the ground running. So you've got those three players who are fantastic. 
and Kulusevski and Sun are very similar players in terms of their their their. They like to get on the ball. They like to drive forward with the ball. They like to carry the ball, and they're more final third kind of second strikers in a sense. Maybe Sun more than um, Kulusevski, but Pellegrini can offer that difference. He's he got some stature about him as well, and I feel like he could be the the guy to to add a different dimension to the Spurs attack. If you bring up his heat map once more, you can see the versatility. He can be practically play anywhere be, behind Harry Kane. He can drive into the box as well. Got good set pace delivery, as we can see, that he takes corners as well. Good tracking back as well, as we can see. He's, he's really getting back, helping helping the, the defence. Like I said, can play in a back three, can play in a back four. He's really offering that, like I said, different layer to that Spurs attack because it's quite one-dimensional. You've got Lucas Moura, Kulisevsky, and Sun Hyun-min, all very similar players. Obviously, Harry Kane, they don't really have a deputy for him. He can be that difference maker, can be that different layer of attack, can be that je ne sais quoi, if you were to call it that. He can be that real difference maker. So that is, if we just bring up his FB ref once more, you can see that he's very well-rounded, progressive passes received, 7.51, which means he's likes, he likes to get into areas. He likes to get into, he likes to get into those areas in between the lines, pushing up against the back four, or against the back line rather, playing with his back towards goal a little bit. And these are also stats compared to other attacking midfielders slash wingers. Now, in a traditional sense, attacking midfielders play as number 10s and wingers play out wide. In in Spurs' system, in the Conte system, very fluid front front three, especially between the two in behind Harry Kane. So take these stats with a little bit of a grain of salt in terms of their comparison too. He's also got 0.24 expected assists per 90 as well, which means he isn't he is very creative in a sense. Um, like we, as well, if you just look below that, 0.51 non-penalty expected goals plus expected assists per 90. So he's really threatening. He's, he's He offers, a, like I said, different dimension and he can really be that difference maker to that Spurs attack. While this fee could be high, while he potentially won't want to leave, I feel like if they can get this deal across the line, could be, it could be the player to send Spurs to that next level. If Spurs sign this player, they could be a Premier League title challenger. Like this player is the this player is a missing piece for Spurs to becoming a top four team to a title challenging team in my opinion. If they get this if they get this deal through the over the line, this could be the difference maker. Spurs will be up there with Liverpool and City next season in my opinion because of the manager, because of the players that they already have, because of the system. I feel like it's very it's a system that works in the Premier League, the Conte system as we've seen with Tuchel and with other teams that have deployed a similar system. He could be the guy. He could be the guy. So I think that's potentially one avenue, like I said, left side of centre-half. And if this deal can't get across the line for whatever reason, other players that they could be looking at, maybe Nabil Fakir and Ikar Munien, who are two players maybe not as physical as Pellegrini or not as um, up to the Premier League physicality levels as as Pellegrini put it in that sense, but Fakir and Munayin both offer that creativity, that versatility as well, can play in multi- multitude of positions, are very systematic and very um, working class in a sense. They are very they like to work hard, they like to dig their heels in and, and, and work for the team. So these are two, well, Pellegrini in particular, but also Munayin and Fakir are the, two, are the three players that they should feel for that position. Now, let's move on. And let's stay in North London, but let's move across to Arsenal. And 
let's let's kind of dissect what they need. So obviously they ha- they do need to invest heavily. They obviously currently have no striker except for Eddie and Ketia. So that is the focus for Arsenal. I don't care what they want to sign. They need to get a number nine through the door because your number nine is the catalyst for the way you play. If you've got someone like I don't know if, if you've got someone like Aguero as your number nine, you play differently to if you were to have fucking Pedro Crouch as a number nine, right? So they need to they need to identify the number nine they want. They need to identify the pillar, the talisman for their team, and then this the rest of the team will build itself around around that striker. And I've gone with a pretty boring one, a pretty um, conventional one. It's Gianluca Scamacca from Sassuolo. It's very boring. It's not original. You've probably heard this sighting a million times or this potential signing a million times before but he's the perfect striker for Arsenal he's tall powerful technical can get other players into the game because he's six foot ten inches tall whatever he is he's 65 meters tall he can hold the ball up can bring Saka Odegaard Smith Rill Martinelli into the game he can take the game by the scruff of the neck as well he's shown with 16 goals this season in in um, Syria he can show he shows that he can really take the game by the scruff of the neck, drive at the defence and be that kind of intimidating number nine that Arsenal have lacked ever since Henri, really, or Van Persie. They have they have lacked that intimidation up front since Van Persie. Giroud didn't really offer that. Aubameyang didn't really offer that. Lacazette, certainly not. And Inketiar, almost definitely not. So if they can get Skamaka through the door, he could be that intimidation factor for them as well as being able to take the game by the scruff of the neck score goals get other players into the game as you bring up his heat map here you can see that he likes to you can almost see a, a pattern with this heat map you can see that he likes to drift almost hold the ball up in this kind of zone 14 style maybe in between the lines give the ball out wide or give the ball to a, to a midfielder and then make that charge into the box you can see a big maybe spike or a big heavy increase in the heat map on the penalty spot and also just a bit, just maybe 30 yards out from goal. So Skamaka could be that guy. Now, obviously, there is a lot of things that he's, he hasn't really proven it for a prolonged period of time. He is kind of unproven in a sense. He is kind of... no one. He's kind of... No one really knows what we're going to get from him, but Arsenal need to take calculated risks. They need to take calculated risks because... They've been gone too predictable too many times. They've gone too um, safe too many times. We've seen that they've already signed Marquinhos from from Brazil, another exciting player potentially in the, in the mold of Martinelli. Um, so yeah, they need they need to take risks, bold risks, and they need to identify players before they're valuable. That's what that's what good clubs do. That's why Liverpool like Mane, Mane Salah, Firmino, they weren't high in demand. When they got them, but they got them before everyone wanted them, and now look at where they are. Look at Man City. Look at look at maybe Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, these guys who weren't in high demand, but they got them in. They they nurtured them, and now look at where they are. Arsenal need to start developing that habit. They've already done it with Martinelli. Obviously, they've got their fantastic youth academy with Smith Rowe and Saka. They might have already started to identify that with someone like a Sambi Lakonga who hasn't really announced himself quite yet. But Arsenal need to rebuild. I feel they're just lacking a couple of key areas. The number nine is one of them. And if they can get Skamaka through the door and if he, if, and if he can hit the ground running, he's their pillar for the next for the next decade. He's their guy. And like I said, he 
is able, when you have that number nine through the door, when you have that solid number nine through the door, you are able to build the rest of the team around him. Like I said, he's very tall, very powerful, so he can be that hold, be that target man. But he's also very technical, so he can drop him. So he can drop in, kind of like what a Harry Kane does for Spurs, drop into that hole and then really feed off the the runners on the outside. Because one of one of the key facets of Arsenal's game last year was the contribution from Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, Smithrow, and that was with a striker in Lacazette who was an okay hold up man, but that wasn't his job. That he isn't a hold-up man. He isn't a target man. So if you can get Skamaka through the door, he will be that piece to be that backboard for that really talented midfield to get onto the ball and allow and give Arsenal the outlet and the output rather that they have shown that they can. Because I kind of got carried by that by that quartet in midfield last year. No, the Ninketia and Aubameyang and Lacazette didn't really score the goals that they needed them to. So if they can just add 15, 16, 17 goals a season from Skamaka, you never know, man. They could they could really challenge for top four. And if they don't get Skamaka through the door, other players, they, they could be looking at Patrick Schick from IB Leipzig. Another player, maybe not as similar as, as Skamaka. Obviously, a little, bit, a little bit doesn't have the physical presence that Skamaka does. But he's very tech, he's technical, has a brilliant eye for goal and can be versatile as well. Could score in the air, could score with the ball at his feet. And another player, someone like a Kalechi Iheanacho, hasn't really been, obviously wasn't given the chance at Man City, moved to Leicester, hasn't really found the form. And I feel like what he needs is to kick up the arse and really and get that move to a, to a big team and give him the responsibility. I feel like he's got the pace, got the technical ability, got the striker's instinct. And whatever striker that they do pick, they need to pick it soon so they can build the rest of the team around him. I think it's Skamaka, but let me know if you well, let me know your thoughts. If it's someone else, maybe they don't even need a striker. Maybe they need to focus on centre midfield or defender or whatever. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. But let's move on, and let's move on to obviously let's actually let's stay in London. Let's get rid of the London clubs first, and let's move to my team, Chelsea. Once I have a, a drink of water, very quickly. All right, so let's go. Let's go to Chelsea, and let's see who they should sign and. I feel like it's pretty obvious, to be honest. I mean, yes, a striker with Lukaku being whatever Lukaku's being at the moment, um, going back to Inter Milan by the looks of things. But with the departure of Rudiger, with the departure of um, Aspilicueta, I mean, not Aspilicueta, with Christensen departing and Aspilicueta potentially departing as well, Chelsea need a centre-back and preferably a left-sided centre-half. So I've gone with... I've gone with... Not Jules Kunde. Not Jules Kunde. I've gone with... Yosok, Yosko Gvardiold, even. Um, again, like, like I had with Arsenal, very boring, very ori- not ve- not very original, I should say, but he is the guy for Chelsea. He is the player. The left-sided centre-half is ripping up his heat map right here. I mean, what more do you want from a left-sided centre-half? Occupies a left-half space, can get out wide, has the physical ability to do that, to be that overlapping um, centre-back, can get up the pitch, very technical as well, and if we bring up his FB ref right here, what don't what don't you want from the last from the last year in centre backs? What don't what more don't you want? Brilliant tackles, interceptions, blocks, all sublime. Technically, progressive passes, progressive carries, dribbles completed, progressive passes received as well, all fantastic. Which means he's he's brave enough to get into the areas that Antonio Rudiger did for Chelsea, 
And yeah, he he's the signing. He's the signing for Chelsea. I, I, I don't see why they should be going for anyone else, maybe except for Koundé, because they need more than one centre-back, put it that way. Um, but yeah, 5.45 progressive carries, 5, 5.31 progressive passes, 1.05 shot-creating actions per 90, which for a centre-back is ludicrous. It's really good. Um, 3.29 interceptions, 2.02 blocks, 2.05 tackles. All per 90, all fantastic, all exceptional, all in the mould of an um, Premier League centre-back and all in the mould of a left-sided centre-back especially. Um, yeah, I don't see how this could be a poor signing. Um, I just... he He's left-sided, he's strong, he's powerful, strong in the tackle, positionally very good, still got some years on him. It ticks all the boxes. Ticks all the boxes and and... With the uncertainty around Chelsea's defence last year, they need to get a couple of centre halves, a couple of big, a big centre halves, and big personalities and big. The, one of the reasons why Antonio Rudiger was so good for Chelsea was because, yes, he was given that freedom to be up to go up, get up the pitch and also playing in a back three. You don't have to do as much defensive work as if you're playing in a back four, but. He he's that presence. He was six foot four. He was big, powerful, strong, lanky at times, kind of like a Bambi on ice. But he was there. You always knew he was there, and potentially one of the reasons why Andreas Christensen didn't have that much success at Chelsea was because he was a little bit lightweight compared to Rudiger, who was very strong and powerful, right? And that's obviously seen. That's obviously why we've seen Thiago Silva have success at Chelsea because he offers that physical presence. Guardiola offers that. He's very physical, very strong, quick, can go out wide, technically capable to be able to have an influence in the final third. He's the guy for Chelsea. He's the guy for Chelsea. I think they should prioritise him more than Jules Koundé, in my opinion. You will, you'll be able to get him for a cheap. Obviously, like Tuchel was coached in um, the Bundesliga, so he'll know what Guardiola is about and he'll know if his skills will translate and if his traits will be able to be translated to the Premier League, we've seen, um, obviously we've seen in the attacking sense that the Bundesliga players perhaps may not have the best of times in, at, in the Premier League with Werner and Havertz and Sancho and maybe Havertz to a lesser extent, but I feel like with defenders it's a little bit different. He's got all the capabilities to deal with the big muscular centre-halves um, all the big muscular strikers in the Premier League, like, I mean, we've seen Darwin Nunes come to the Premier League, Erling Haaland, and, I mean, if Skamaka goes to Arsenal, him as well. So he's got that physical ability, technically sound, tick, 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 in my opinion. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see why... I don't see why Chelsea shouldn't go for him. And, I mean, he he's the Rudiger replacement, by the way. He's the carbon copy Rudiger replacement that will bring Chelsea back to that title-challenging team that they should be and that Champions League late-stages team that they should be. He's the guy more than anyone else, in my opinion. But I think that's I think that was kind of very obvious, in a sense, of who they should sign, so I, I don't think I really need to spend too much time on that. Let's move out of out of London. Let's move out of London, and let's, let's do it by city. Let's go to Manchester, um, and let's go to... The champions of the Premier League, Manchester City, and maybe they don't need anyone because they're kind of, kind of almost infallible in every area. But I was looking at their team. I was kind of identifying what they needed to get, and 
it's kind of something that has been touched on by a lot of people in the past, or not in the past, but in the last couple of weeks. Defensive midfield. Fernandinho's getting on. Obviously, Rodgers is going to be holding down that spot for the next foreseeable future. So they just need a little bit of depth in that area. And I've gone with Calvin Phillips from Leeds. Now, let's bring up his FB ref before we do anything. And if you just ignore the top two sections of that, I mean, we can see his, his defensive traits are beyond exceptional. 28.42 pressures, ranking in the 98th percentile. 3.67 tackles per 90, ranking in the 97th percentile. 2.37 blocks, ranking in the 96th, 96th percentile. It's exceptional. It's exceptional. And it's and it's something that, while Man City don't necessarily need, he's the, per- he's the, he's the Pep Guardiola player. He's the Pep Guardiola midfielder, in my opinion. High octane, high tempo, high energy, pressing really, really hard, and as well as though as those stats, but potentially don't show his technical prowess. He's very, he's still competent on the ball. Like he was playing in a Leeds team where, especially this season, where they would get onto the ball and they'd be pressed straight away, and they'd be under the pump. He wouldn't get in on the ball in areas of the pitch where he was able to look up and think and take his time. With City, if he plays, he'll be able to do that. So I think take those possession stats with a little bit of a grain of salt. But if we look at his heat map, we can see, I mean, it's exactly what you want from a defensive midfielder. Exactly what you want. Being able to shuttle across the back four. He's, he's like you said, he's capable of pushing up the pitch as well. If we've seen in those left and right channels, he's able to get into those positions. We saw him, we saw him do it for England as well in the Euros, playing alongside Declan Rice or playing alongside Jordan Henderson. He's able to push forward. So he can... Offer, he can be that versatility in a sense as well. <clears throat> he's very aggressive, can play slightly higher as well if needed, like I just said. And he's comfortable being uncomfortable. That's one of the key aspects of, of, of his game that I noticed. He's comfortable being uncomfortable. He wants to get into, he wants to test himself. He wants to be push himself really hard. That's why he was so good under Marcelo Bielsa. Marcelo Bielsa pushes players like no other coach in world football. He's comfortable being uncomfortable. And when you transition from a Leeds team to a Man City team, especially a Leeds side that was bordering on relegation, when you move to a Man City side, there's going to be a lot of uncomfortableness about that transition. And he'll be ready to go right into that system, ready to adapt, ready to improve technically and defensively. There's nothing in my mind that screams that this won't work. Won't offer a lot of money in terms of transfer fees and wages. So I guess that that shouldn't be an, an issue for him. Yeah, it is... It is the, I mean, I mean, City don't really need a, need a signing. I mean, they got Holland, and he was the only missing piece of that City team. They don't, have, they didn't have a number nine. They got that number nine, and now they need a defensive midfielder to replace Fernandinho. He's the, he's the guy. Still young, English as well, which always helps. And yeah, he's coming again. Like you said, like I said, he's coming off a of Marcelo Bielsa team, who. Are very similar to to Mens, to Pep Guardiola's team in a sense in terms of their tempo. So he, that won't be an issue for him. Yeah, I just see this as a tick tick tick. I don't see this being an issue for for City in any sense. Um, yeah, my um, Calvin Phillips is the guy they need to get in sooner rather than later. And I mean, beyond that, I don't really see them having any more any more issues. Maybe a Maybe a left back if Sinchenko leaves back up there, but yeah, I, ju- I don't say 
I don't see why they can't get this through the door pretty quickly. Calvin Phillips is an ambitious player. He wants to play at the highest level. So this should be this should get done sooner rather than later. <clears throat> so let's let's move on to let's let's stay in Manchester. Like I said, we'll do it by cities. And let's go to Man United and potentially this is the most interesting team of them all. Man United need a lot. They need a lot. And one of the areas which they need is a midfielder, but they also need fullbacks, potentially center halves, potentially a, a number another number nine, some wingers as well. But I've gone with a I've gone with a midfielder and I've gone with a slightly more defensive midfielder. Now with Ten Hag, and I think this system is going to, this signing is going to be very indicative of, of Eric Ten Hag. Ten Hag likes to play four two three one, likes to play a double pivot, and one of the one of the facets of a double pivot is a defensive midfielder that won't move beyond sixteen yards off the back four. He wants a defensive midfielder playing in that double pivot, and I don't think Man United have that. McTominay. Isn't that Fred? Isn't that Matic has left? Pogba's left. Donny van der Beek isn't that. So they need to sign one. And you can look us like Basuma was the guy for for United. Bruno Guimaraes was the guy for United. Both of them have have gone to other Premier League rivals in a sense. I mean Newcastle will be rivals if, um, for United very soon. So I've gone with and again this could be boring, could be a little bit hipster, could be not very original. Where am I here? I've gone with Ibrahim San... What's his name? <laughs> Zangare. That's it, not Sanagre. Zangare. Ibrahim Zangare. Now, he's the perfect defensive midfielder for United. Perfect defensive midfielder. He can be a destroyer. He can be press-proof. He can be versatile. He can play in a double pivot. He can play in a single pivot. Not, Ten Hag will know exactly what he's about as well, so there's no issue there. Three point in the, in the Eredivisie this season. He's currently at um in playing in the Eredivisie. In in Netherlands, he's got three point five four tackles per game, two point two point seven six interceptions per game, zero point eight key passes per game, sixty five accurate passes per game, and he's only been dribbled and he's only dribbled past once per game. If we compare those stats to Calvin Phillips just before, is it is perfect. It's perfect for for United and like I said with like I said with Arsenal not long ago with Skamaka, they need to be able to get a signing in that will be able to build the team around. Zangare is the guy that they can build the their team around. Because he's that defensive midfielder that won't budge. He won't he's he's too, he's good enough not to be replaced. So he's borderline indispensable as soon as they get him in. And he's he gives that ability to buy another center mid because I feel like they do need to get two central midfielders. And like I said, maybe it's maybe someone like a Frankie Diong, I don't think they'll get him partnering Zangare, but someone like a Zangare Frankie De Jong partnership will be exceptional. Exceptional. Because you have Zangare who's that destroyer, but he's also press proof as well. So we can get onto the ball, recycle possession, dictate a little bit of tempo as well should they need it, and be that kind of relief pass as well. You don't want to you don't want to sign a defensive midfielder that can't pass the ball because then that just puts you in all sorts of trouble. Sangara can pass the ball. He's very comfortable on possession, but his main gig is being a destroyer. He's one of the best in the world at that. So if they can get him in and then partner him with someone like a Frankie Tiong, I mean, should I say partner him with someone like a Paul Pogba? I mean, Pogba and Zangare giving Pogba that license to go forward and to break into those half spaces, 
breaking the breaking between the lines and having Zangare's protection would have been perfect. But obviously Pogba thought not, and he's off to Juventus. Um, so yeah, that th- that is the first sign they need to make because, like I said, with Arsenal with the number nine, that if United get that defensive midfielder in the squad and get him playing and get him fitted in and get that continuity with him in training and in preseason, then the rest of the team will build from that. I think he's the perfect player. If you bring up his heat map, where are we? Here we go. Um, yeah, like just everywhere, everywhere for United, everywhere. And he's the signing for United. I mean, like we said, like I said, I mean, it's almost like he's cut the pitch in half and just like replicated it. He's kind of like just duplicated it. Can be play behind, maybe not, can play behind the halfway line and be a little bit more defensive, can press high, can be that kind of regista-type player, maybe a little bit less ball-playing, but can be that high-pressing defensive midfielder. Perfect for United. Perfect, perfect, perfect signing for Manchester United. And he's he should be he's the number one guy on Manchester United's list for me. This is the guy they need to get more than anyone else because he will be able to transform United from the ground and just t- make them into a brand new team. This is the guy United need. Brilliant on the ball. Brilliant in possession. Like, that's the same thing. Um, brilliant on the ball. Brilliant off the ball. Leadership. Still young. Ten Hag knows what he's all about. Everything about this screams, sign him right now. Cheap as well. He won't be that expensive. I know money's no issue for United, but yeah. I don't see why this is questionable. This is the guy United need. So yeah. Um, let's move on. And let's go to Merseyside with the final team, Liverpool. Win a momento. <clears throat> um, yeah, let's go. Let's go to Merseyside. Let's go to Liverpool. And Liverpool, like Man City, don't really need a signing. Um, they don't really need one. They signed Nunes, um, who was who was the signing that they needed to make. They got him through the door, so they don't really need anyone. But I looked at their profile, and I saw Minamino might leave. Oxley Chamberlain is getting towards the back end of his Liverpool career. I think. Jota's moving toward more towards being a number nine. I thought, all right, they need an attacking number eight that can play out wide. In my opinion, now I was looking at Nkunku from RB Leipzig. I thought he was the guy personally. I thought he was the they need to get him through the door. But I think he's signing a new contract with Leipzig. It's going to cost around about eighty million, I think, for him. It's going to be maybe un- unreasonable considering the money that they spent for Darwin Nunes as well. And also Nkunku is a player that could potentially look to break that wage structure towards the back end of his Liverpool career. So I've gone with a slightly more unknown player, a, a player which I've been looking at, or I've been keeping my eye on since January because I saw the potential for Chelsea to sign him at, at certain stages with the with their attacking situation. But I thought this is a perfect for Liverpool. It's Lovro Maya. Currently at Rennes, and I know a lot of people won't really know who he is, but he's currently playing at Rennes at, in, in France, and he is the perfect clock player. He's a hard-working number eight that can play on the right-hand side of midfield as well as on the right wing. He's left-footed, 24 years of age, and one of the big things about him is that he'll be content to sit on the bench, which is the perfect for Liverpool. Someone like an Nkunku would want to come in and start every single game. And when you've got Diaz, Salah, Nunes, Jota... Um, and someone else who I can't 
um, right, Diaz, Jota, Nunes, Salah, and all these other guys wanting to start every game. I can't remember. There's another player though, I'm pretty sure. Um, that won't work. And also, he'll probably look to upset the wage structure a little bit later on. Lovremeyer won't want to do that. He'll be content to sit on the bench, play that bit part role, kind of what like Minamino's doing. And he, like I said, won't ups- upset the wage structure. He's really good at driving the ball forward. Can be more of an attacking Naby Keita. So think about Naby Keita's role for Liverpool. He can be a little bit more attacking in that sense. And I know... I know Jordan Henderson likes to play on that right side of, of midfield to protect Trent Alexander-Arnold. But in games which Liverpool are going to want to dominate against the lower, against teams in the lower half of the table, Maya is able to come off the bench and bring that spark should 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 things not go as planned in, in the first maybe hour of the game. He can come off the bench, be that energy, be that spark. And if we bring up his heat map, you can see what he's really good at. He's good at cut, take, being really wide and then cutting in. You can see that kind of L-shaped kind of heat map on the right-hand side. He, he cuts wide and then comes in, which also allows for the overlap for Trent Alexander-Arnold to come into those half spaces and whip the balls in. He's really, really good um, at at. He's really, really good at what Klopp would want him to do. Like I said, I mean, for midfielders, he's only played 1,800 minutes this season, so there's not a lot of sample size. But I mean, if versus midfielders this season. In the top five leagues, I mean, 99th percentile for literally everything um, attacking-wise. It, it's really, really exciting if Liverpool can get this through the door. I'm not even sure they're linked. I, I doubt they are linked, and I don't think this will happen. But if we look at his progressive carries, 8.35 per 90, ranking the 98th percentile. Progressive passes received, 5.75 per 90, ranking the 97th percentile. It's, it's everything that Klopp would want in an attacking number eight. And he's got that. He's got twenty three point six eight pressures, ranking the eighty seventh percentile. So he's comfortable play, playing in a high press. He's comfortable being doing the off the ball work that not a lot of players want to do. And he can just add a different dimension that, to that Liverpool attack. While Liverpool don't need him, they should certainly want him because he's quite good. Um, yeah. So I, I I don't I don't see. It's one of these low risk low risk high reward type scenarios, kind of like with Minamino. He'll, they'll come for relatively cheap, won't offer a lot or won't demand a lot in terms of game time or wage or transfers or signing on bonus or whatever. We'll be content with sitting on the bench, being a, playing a bit part role and, and being that player that should shit hit the fan, can come off the bench and make an impact. He'll be a perfect player for cup games and Liverpool don't need a superstar. They've got enough. Liverpool don't need a superstar. They need a player that will be that role player that to, to just do the job and get shit done. And Lovremaya is that player to get shit done. Um, yeah. So I think that's that is that is the sign Liverpool need to make. Um don't need a superstar, just need that role player to do his job. So yes, those are the signings that Liverpool or not Liverpool, but all the big um six clubs need to make. Let me know in the comments in of let me know in the comments section of the podcast if you want to if you think that I got something wrong or if you think another player should sign should sign for a, for a club or maybe I've gone with a correct player but for a different club maybe Liverpool should sign Pellegrini or whatever. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below, and we've already we're touching on forty minutes so let's just let's just ease it back a little bit. Let's just I want to speak about. A couple of transfers, not very in-depthly. I might in-depthly analyse this a little bit later on, but let's go with 
two, maybe one signing in particular and then one manager transfer. Um, and maybe another one. So I want to touch on Gravner Birch to Bayern Munich ever so briefly. I think that's perfect for both parties. Gravner Birch is a player that I think a lot of clubs in England should have um, gone for. Maybe United should have gone for because he's that player that could be that number si- number eight to the number six. But he's gone to Bayern. He'll work. I just don't really know where he fits because you don't really want to upset that um, Kimmich, Goretzka, double pivot in midfield. Maybe he'll play off the bench. Who knows? Um, so, yeah. Um, let's go to David Nunes to Liverpool. I think this is a perfect signing. Perfect, perfect, perfect for Liverpool. Um, Darwin Nunes is the signing to take Liverpool back to where they want to be. Like, if that makes sense. Liverpool, Liverpool, the next season for Liverpool could go either one or two ways. They could remain that force, both in Europe and in the league, or they could have a slight blip, kind of what City had a couple of seasons back. With this Nunes signing, I don't think that will happen. I think they'll be back up there, challenging for the league, challenging for the Champions League, because he offers a different dimension. It's just a brand new dimension to, to the Liverpool attack, which wasn't present last year. Teams will have to do their homework all over again. It'll be a scouting nightmare for, for opposition teams. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, I mean, the same impact will happen for Holland at City. So it's a brilliant signing for Liverpool. Um, can get other players into the game. Versatile, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, I don't think there's a lot to say on that. I might I might do a little bit of an in-depth analysis at a later date. But um, I want to touch on, lastly... Poch leaving PSG, and I mean, Mbappe's had his fit already. Um, he's, he's had his hissy fit already. Um, yeah, so I think for Fabrizio, um, big Romano, not broke the news, but has been reporting that um, Poch has been told to leave um, PSG if it's not been confirmed already by the time this comes out. Um, yeah, it, would you expect anything anything less? I think this could be a very dangerous scenario for for PSG because I think the only two managers in the world that can replace him is Carlo Ancelotti or Zinedine Zidane. They're the only two because they're the only two that can manage the egos that that PSG have. Zidane, Zidane, like I said, Zidane is the only manager in world football that will demand respect from every single player on earth. Ancelotti will have a similar aura, not quite. So it's either one of them, either one of them two for me. Otherwise, it won't work. Um, but yeah, I guess we will just have to wait and see. We will just have to wait and see what comes of it because it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, I, I, they should win the league. They need to win the Champions League sooner rather than later, and that's what the next manager will need to do. Um, the only team, the only manager that has got them. Got them far as was Thomas Tuchel, and they lost in the final. Then they got rid of him for whatever reason. Fuck knows. Um, but yeah, that's all for this podcast. Coming on twenty three minutes. Thank you all very much for watching. Um, no, no, who went into footed this week because that's 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 regular season stuff. This is off season stuff. This is just something fun that I wanted to do. Um, I'll do a Socceroos. What's next? Maybe next week. Say well, let me uh, follow me on Twitter if you want to know all the all my um scheduling updates and what have you. But yes, um, thank you guys very much for watching. Um, I'll speak to you when I speak to you, hopefully next week. And as my light goes out, wow, how fun is that? But um, what well, what's going on here? Oh, I don't have an outro. There's no outro music. Maybe I'll put it in post. There'll be outro music in post. Um, this is a shambles. So thank you all very much for watching. Um, I'll see you guys, and all of a sudden, 
This is a shambles. I can't... Whoa, what's going on here? There's no image. Oh, wow. This is... This is a catastrophe. Nothing's working. All right, I'm just going to do everything in post. OBS is blowing up. My light's gone out. This is a signal. This is a signal for me to end the shit. All right, thank you all very much for watching. Follow, follow all the socials if you want to know when the next podcast is out. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. Thank you all very much for watching, and goodbye.